All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome. Today is Wednesday. Whoop, wrong button. Today is Wednesday, June 7, 2023. Welcome to Simply What What is going on here? Welcome to Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, episode number 382. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Matthew Necci, Jesse Johnson, a lot of Boyajin, all those coming over from Twitter, Cat Meow, Cat GGPT, Simply Cyber Squad members, the Simply Cyber community, and you are going to be tearing through the top cyber news stories of the day. And I'll be giving you my opinion, my expert analysis on each of those stories, on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, you're going to get value here. Believe that. In any job interview, you'll be asked, how do you stay current in you know, the industry, basically. And this is a dynamite answer. So thank you. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. But before we get into it, I do want to say shout out and thanks to one of the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber Solution. Before we dig in, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at BarricadeCyber.com. Thanks very much to Eric Taylor and the gang over there. Also want to say shout out to Panopsi, but more about them at the mid-roll. Guys, it is Wednesday, which means Worldwide Wednesday. So strap in because we're going to have a barn burner here in a few minutes. I want to remind all of you. We're moving pretty quick. We're moving fast. We're breaking things this morning. The coffee is flowing full tilt. We're about to pass 100 in chat right now. If you're live with us, do a hashtag team live in chat. We love having you. Uh, Security Blue Team, much love and appreciation for them over on Twitter. Just blasting out uh, the morning briefing over here. So if you see some new people wandering around in the chat, say hello. They may have been coming over from uh, Twitter. If you're watching on replay, I spent quite a bit of time uh, interacting with Team Replay last night. So great to see you as always. You guys bring the heat consistently and on the regular. If you got here late and you're double timing to get up here or you got here, you got to leave early because you got a meeting or whatever, or you're just like hit pause and you went and listened to <laughs> go to listen to Goldfinger Superman because it's giving you Tony Hawk nostalgia. I understand that. You're team hybrid. Hashtag team hybrid in chat. Uh, Gary Sturgiatis, if you, I'll, I'll show it later on stream, but uh, Security Blue Team, the UK company, uh, tweeted a very nice tweet this morning uh, about 10 minutes ago telling people to come on over to the stream. Uh, nice little following over there, and I appreciate that. Guys, if you are shy, socially introverted, uh, you just got here and you're like, what is going on? This chat looks crazy cool, but I don't know what's up. Do what Jesse Johnson's saying right now. Welcome those passive observers. Say hashtag passive observer. Basically, this is a professional networking opportunity. If you know it's important to engage with uh, the community, but you don't know how to do it, just type hashtag passive observer. Take that first step into the light of professional networking. And believe me, you will be welcomed with open arms, my friend, because Simply Cyber is a massively supportive, massively inclusive community. And we're all about good times up in here. Jimmy Dang knows what's up. All right, Jimmy. Remember, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE. So giddy up all up on that. Uh, say what's up in chat. Take a screenshot. Whatever you got to do. Nice. Good to see Eric Taylor back at the desk, back at the battle station, back at the helm. I am super, super stoked. BSEC is not passive mod. All right, guys. So if you're new here, I've been kind of motoring uh, through the stream. So I, I, I do want to give it a second. But every single Wednesday, we do what's called Worldwide Wednesday. The Simply Cyber community is not just we don't just say we're inclusive to like check a DEI um, or DIE 
um, checkbox, right? This isn't like paperwork where you come in for your annual um, diversity training and then we, we claim on our website that we're diverse. No, we actually are and we're wicked inclusive and every Wednesday we prove it by going two minutes around the world and seeing if we can get international representation on the channel and it's always a ton of fun. I love it. I want to let you guys all know that Worldwide Wednesday is actually presented by or sponsored by, and we genuinely appreciate this support, by IT Pro TV, now IT Pro from ACI Learning, the international online training solution that professionals in audit, cybersecurity, and IT turn to for binge-worthy content. Use promo code SIMPLYCYBER30 to get 30% off your first month or first year. Guys, if you're looking for like there's no easy button in our industry. There's no shortcut. But if you're looking for the fastest way to like get all of the content curated and packaged uh, in a tight way for learning, uh, ACI Learning is excellent. Like great videos. Daniel Lowry, his group over there, great content. They have labs. They have quizzes. They have practice cert exams and stuff. It's high quality stuff. And for a guy who makes a lot of <laughs> uh, content. Believe me, when I tell you it's high quality, it's legit. Lego sec up in here. What's up, buddy? Good to see you. All right, guys. So with that, mods, I hope you're ready. Everybody buckle up. Let me get Daft, Daft Punk ready. Ready, Daft Punk? Hold on one second. We like to do two minutes, don't we? All right, guys. Music's going to go up. I'm about to take a slug of coffee because it's about to get chaotic in here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. Where are you at? Tell me where you're at. Let's go around the world, everybody. Texas in the house. Big carry up in here. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, there we go. Uh, Vermont's in the house. Florida, ATL. Peach State. What's up, Indy? UP of Michigan. Texas. Australia. I saw that. Good to see you. Australia. Raymond Cruz up in here. Poland. I love me some Poland. Boom, baby. Georgia. Again, England bringing the UK online across the pond. St. Kitts. I'll have to put a pin in that and come back later. Zimbabwe's up in here. Ah, my mic unplugged. Colombia's in the house. We got South America online, my friend. Yes, I love it when South America comes online. Central Florida, Philippines, Colombia, the Philippines up in here. Pepe dance, okay. Uh, Duval, I see you, Florida. What's up, Delaware? DC's up in here. Jackson, Mississippi coming in strong. What's up, Tim Shu from India? Thanks for bringing India online. Mexico's online, I see you. What's up, Egypt? Bringing North Africa all up in here. Love it. France is in the house. Mainland Europe, very cool. Vietnam, Pakistan. Vietnam, damn, you guys are bringing it strong today. Where's Vietnam? Boom. France, Kenya, Kenya's in the house. I'm gonna need help on Kenya later. Sup gang, uh, I see you Soulshine. Ukraine's in the house. Hopefully everything's good where you are. Alex and Corpus Christi in the house. BK, Brooklyn. Brooklyn's finest. No sleep till Brooklyn, MJ, right? <clears throat> Marcus Siler brought it in. Yeah, guys, we went around the world about 40 seconds. That's right. Nailed it. Korea's in the house. I'm assuming South Korea. <laughs> Philly's up in here. Brotherly love. I see you, Duluth, Minnesota. Mongolia? What? Jess Bishop? 
All right, Jess Bishop saw Mongolia. Okay, Canada. All right, love it, love it, love it. All right, y'all. Hey, check that out. Guys. Guys, we just straight up... We just straight up crushed the world in like 45 seconds. We've been going from having challenges to getting the whole world for, uh, consistently to this is our third week in a row getting uh, in international uh, coverage. And we did it in like no time at all. No time at all. South Korea is already on the board. Uh, we saw Kenya was in the house. I do want to mark Kenya. Italy's in here, Tom. Always bringing the love. Uh, where is Kenya, y'all? I, like, I know I should know this, but... I'm sorry, I don't. Kenya, Kenya, Kenya. I thought Kenya was like sub-Sahara. There it is. Ooh, it's on the Indian Ocean side. Did not know that. Very nice, everybody. Congratulations. Congratulations. Love it, love it, love it. If you're new here, if you're first time here, this is every Wednesday. I hope you enjoyed the crap out of it because I certainly do every Wednesday. Now, having good times is, is, is fun, but we're here for business. This is the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast live and in your face and we're gonna do the news right now so what i would love for you to do is pour a cup of coffee grab a tea whatever you're drinking sit back relax and let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over you in an awesome wave i'll see you all at the mid-roll from the CISO series it's cybersecurity headlines it's wednesday june 7th 2023 Microsoft to pay $20 million settlement for illegally collecting children's data. Microsoft will pay $20 million to settle charges brought by the FTC for violating the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. The FTC said children under the age of 13 who signed up for Microsoft's Xbox gaming service were asked to provide personal information including name, email address, phone number, and date of birth. Until 2019, the sign-up screen also included a pre-filled checkbox allowing Microsoft to share user information with advertisers. Microsoft collected the data before asking a parent to complete the account setup, but then retained the data even if the parent abandoned the sign-up process. In other Microsoft regulatory news, the company has set aside $425 million to pay a fine it anticipates receiving from the Irish Data Protection Commission due to potential GDPR violations for alleged targeted advertising on the platform of its subsidiary, LinkedIn. All right. <clears throat> a couple things here. A couple things here. Uh, thanks, Randy. Okay, so, all right. Uh, there's a bunch of things to unpack here, as, as always, right? So this is more of a privacy uh, story, not a cyber story, but it is important. We, we, me, right, every day, I'm up here pointing fingers and mocking Amazon and Meta and Google, more, more Amazon and Meta for like, they're consistently getting fined for GDPR and data's the new uh, oil and tech barons and everything. And Microsoft has been like an elder in the room, right? Like the tech barons are the new Gilded Age, like Boss and Bezos and stuff. But <clears throat> Microsoft's been around since like way before the tech boom and all that stuff. And I don't know, not to say that <clears throat> I didn't look at them as a big tech company, but they just kind of operated more like, you know, they, they had pulled over from the high speed lane more into the middle lane, almost to the far right lane. If If you are in the United States, I don't know how it works in Europe, but like there's like the further left on the highway you go, the faster you're going. And Microsoft was kind of on the right. Okay, now, they got hit with a $20 million fine for collecting children's information. 
Now, you got to remember, the Xbox platform is a video game platform, so that's a child-rich environment, right? It's not like they're, you know, using Windows 11 to target children. So, so I understand what's happening. Two, the head of Xbox, Dave McCarthy, said that they never actually used the information or sold the information and that they only kept it because of a technical glitch, okay? And the fine is only $20 million. I say only $20 million. Of course, of course, $20 million would change any one of our lives for generations, right? But for a company that has like an annual revenue in the billions, $20 million is the same as like a $100 speeding ticket to you or I, right? It, it, it's, it's not cool. You don't want to spend it, but you're going to just do it and go on about your business. You probably don't even remember that you spent the 100 bucks on the speeding ticket or the $100 on the dinner, right? So this is more of, to me, the $20 million settlement is more of a, I don't want to call it posturing, but a like a public embarrassment and a, a finger wag, if you will, to Microsoft from the federal government uh, regarding this. Uh, if I had to speculate, please, if, if you're new here, we do this from time to time, look at uh, on chat. Please drop the uh, speculative tinfoil hat, Jerry, if you will. A hot take I have on this particular story is I guarantee you some hotshot VP of like whatever uh, got all greased up and all frothed up about, oh, man, I'm going to collect all this data and make so much money. Oh, bro. Uh, crypto bro high five and like what ended up happening is it didn't go through the different chains of command and they ended up catching this when uh, dave mccarthy says this, it was a technical glitch that they um that caused it my suspicion is a technical glitch was like carl <gasps> right technical glitch is like some person who made that decision who probably got fired um because of it but it's easier to say a technical glitch because then it's a diffusion of responsibility if they said you know, Ben Sherrill made the decision in 2015 to do that. Well, then everybody immediately wants to go talk to Ben Sherrill, right? So what I think is this is a, you know, this is this is a bad job, right? Like they got hit. Microsoft's PR team is controlling the, the narrative and the spin. It's a configuration. Let's move on. Okay, that's a hot take. I don't have any evidence to support that. Outlook.com hit by outages as hacktivists claim. But just think about it really quick, right? I'll tell you this. Every day, every day, no matter what, always, always ask yourself. Unless there is some ideologically motivated thing that would be obvious because hacktivists and ideologically motivated people make you well aware that it's ideologically motivated. Unless it's that, it's straight cash, homie. It's all about the Benjamins. DDoS attacks. On Tuesday, Outlook.com suffered a series of outages following two major outages Monday, preventing users worldwide from reliably accessing or sending email and using the mobile Outlook app. Microsoft claims technical issues were to blame for the outages. However, hacktivists known as Anonymous Sudan took to their Telegram channel, claiming it had been carrying out DDoS attacks on the service as retaliation for the U.S. government intervening in Sudanese internal affairs. The hackers went on to request a $1 million ransom from Microsoft to cease their attacks. All right. A couple things. Anonymous Sudan um, has been in the news uh, recently. Their, uh, you know, attack du jour or their attack uh, forte is distributed denial of service attacks. Sudan, uh, they said in the story, I can't remember because I'm not um, really kept up to date super um, on you know, Middle Eastern and, and uh, Eastern or Central European 
efforts. But basically, Sudan is attacking um, different countries. I want to say maybe like Iran and Israel or like that's actually incorrect. They're, they're, they're attacking some countries. I can't remember. OK, I'm sorry. Like, chat, please remind me. And the U.S. government has now kind of gotten involved. Right. Which is what, <laughs> you know, the world police do. Right. The U.S. Uh, regularly does that type of stuff for, for various diplomatic reasons and national power reasons and geopolitical reasons. But anyways, the U.S. has gotten involved. So now Sudan is turned around and they're attacking Microsoft, a private company inside the United States, but probably because they know that so many people in the United States depend on exchange and outlook for you know business and stuff like that. And this is just anonymous Sudan lashing out, trying to... Um, kind of singe, if you will, and 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 make uh, make a point that you shouldn't be involved over here. That's not going to really change anything. Uh, I will point out that they are hacktivists, but they are asking for like uh, ransom money, for lack of a better term. It's not really a ransom, but they're asking for like extortion money to stop the denial of service attack. This is fine. I will say it's very uncommon. Okay. Like it's like almost I've never seen it. In fact, it's that uncommon. So I guess I'm going to bump it up to rare. Uh, it's very rare for a hacktivist organization, an ideologically motivated organization to request money. Typically, they want some type of change. Stop, you know, polluting the ocean. Stop, you know, um, you know, encroaching on native, uh, native indigenous people's land. Like something like that, right? It's very rare to say like, and give us a million dollars. If I had to guess again, I guess today's going to be hot take Wednesday. If I had to guess uh, the anonymous Sudanese people are running into cash flow issues, right? You may think, cause in the movies, you know, it's like, Oh, look, I'm hacking through, you know, triple by, you know, triple firewalls. Ugh, no one can beat me. CIA, blah, right? Like lead hackers are operating out of vans and stuff like that. But at, in reality, operations cost money. It costs money to, you know, put, okay, like, let's just use the stupid thing of the van in the parking lot and you're hacking through triple firewalls and you're using like a Pringles can to like shoot a wireless into the top left corner glass office room, right? That van costs money. The internet costs money. Gas to get there costs money. The technology in the van costs money, right? Food costs money, right? Like where they sleep costs money. Like all, all the things cost money. Bulletproof hosting, hosting their uh, C2 infrastructure, buying access to payloads, time to, you know, like for the hackers to like do whatever they're going to do. They still have bills to pay, right? So I know it sounds trite, but like at the end of the day, things cost money. And if I had to guess, uh, anonymous Sudan is running into cash flow issues. And even though they're ideologically motivated, thank you, Randy. Randy's getting some heavy, heavy reps today, y'all. SEC accuses Coinbase of breaking U.S. regulations. The SEC's crypto crackdown continues as the regulator has sued the largest American cryptocurrency exchange, Coinbase, for operating as an unregistered broker, exchange, and clearing agency. The SEC said, quote, <laughs> Coinbase has for years defied the regulatory structures and evaded the disclosure requirements that Congress and the SEC have constructed for the protection of the national securities markets and investors, end quote. The lawsuit follows a similar action the SEC took against the Binance crypto exchange on Monday. All right, you guys are so funny. All right, so first of all, 
I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. That's my good friend, Charles Finfrock. He's all in on crypto, even though it's a complete dumpster fire. Um, also, I want to say shout out um, James McCookin for the super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks for the super chat, James. Simply Cyber does cost money. Um, and ask me at Jaw Jack in time if you if you ha if you guys remember. Uh, I just I'm filming the YouTube uh, course. And I did the cost of running a YouTube channel section last night. So I got the numbers. I got the receipts. All right. So the SEC, this story we covered in yesterday's uh, news briefing. So this, I'm not going to spend a terrible amount of time on this one. Basically, oh, hold on. This says Coinbase. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. This just in. Hold on. Do I have a sounder? <laughs> what? Hold on. Um, so SEC is suing Binance yesterday. They're accusing Coinbase of breaking U.S. regulations. I literally said on stream yesterday, oh, Coinbase got independently audited and stuff, which they did. Dude, the SEC, yikes. Um, this isn't good, okay? As far as I know, uh, Binance and Coinbase are like the two largest platforms. Coinbase being like the largest, like socially acceptable, you know, your, 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 your less technical uncle can get on Coinbase. And, and do some trading, right? Crypto bros can can get you up on Coinbase pretty quickly. Uh, it's got a very bubblegummy interface. It's built it's built for non-tech people. Um, I was under the impression that they were um, following the rules, but I'm telling you, man, this I, I'm a little surprised because I thought Coinbase was above board, but at the end of the day, you know what? Great cash, homie. Dude, Randy's going to get royalties on this stream. Um, Dude, there's tons and tons of money flowing through Coinbase one way or the other. And the SEC is like the, the amount of fraud and abuse going on in the crypto space has been rampant for the last two, three years. And I guess the SEC, you got to remember, guys, like government agencies like the SEC, they don't operate like a small business. They don't just it, this isn't the movies where like, you know, some regulator. Some regulator doesn't just like walk into the boardroom at, at like Coinbase and like kicks in the door. And he's like, I'm the new sheriff in town. Show me your books. No, they like they like build a case. They interview people. They gather evidence. They do all the things that they're supposed to do. And then when they have the evidence, they actually, you know, file a, a, a claim or an incident or make an accusation or, you know, fine people, whatever it is. It, it is not reckless like it is in the movies. The reason they don't do it the way it's really done in the movies is because it's boring and it's, it's not going to sell movie tickets, right? No one's going <laughs> to, no one's going to sit through like a 14 hour deposition in a movie. Right. So, um, I, I'm not surprised about, about this. Now, I, the final thing I'll say is that I do believe the Binance will probably, you know, get really hurt. Cause I think Binance is probably doing some shady stuff. Coinbase, um, they're allowing, uh, they're operating as an unregistered broker, I guess. I don't know. Like, I just, I feel like Coinbase has more chance of surviving and, and you know, paying fines or whatever and getting it right, just because I feel like they've been doing the right things. <sighs> All right. Um, yeah. So anyways, this is yet another reason to stay off the cryptos. One password launches its public passkey beta. Password Manager 1Password has launched its public beta for passkeys, which will allow users to replace passwords with authentication systems built into their devices. 
OnePassword users can now create, store, and share passkeys for supported websites by installing the OnePassword beta browser extension for Chrome, Edge, Safari, Firefox, or Brave. Passkeys can only be created for websites and services that have rolled out their own passkey support. OnePassword users will be able to vote on which sites and services they'd like to see support passkeys. While it won't guarantee those platforms will actually integrate passkey support, the hope seems to be that developers will be motivated to add the feature due to popular demand. And now, a word from our spot. Whoa, okay. Um. All right, so this is cool. Uh, we had a story yesterday about how Google is moving towards passwordless authentication at scale. 1Password is attempting to do this as well. 1Password, as far as I know, is a, um, a password vault solution, cloud-based. And what you're going to be allowed to do is using APIs. Like, you know how you can uh, you go to a website and it's like, create an account or use your Google account or your Facebook account or LinkedIn account or whatever, right? This is called federated authentication, and it allows you to leverage um, the uh, you know like your identity and authentication from a different platform that the platform you're logging into has established a trust with, right? So they've basically deferred the authentication capability uh, or or mechanism to a third party that's trusted, right? And this has already been established. It sounds like what's going to happen here is very similar, except it, it, like the trust is going to be put in not with a third-party platform, but with a system or device. So uh, the example they have in the story is like you have your iPhone and it you can log in with your face, just like you can log into apps on your phone uh, with your face instead of logging into the app itself. Um, you'll go to a website like say TCM Security, right? Just to, to, just to plug Heath there. Go to TCM Security and you go to log into his academy and instead of the username and password, um, you get prompted and then you use your face and then there you go. And, and it'll all be nice and seamless. Um, obviously, there's two things that you need to take away here. One, passwordless logins is the way of the future. If you're coming up in the industry, like if you're watching this and you're you're like 22 or whatever, you're a college person or you're a high school person, or um, you, you've got more than like 20 years left in your kind of cyber career, right? So maybe you're 40 year old and you're pivoting or whatever. Identity and access management is a subset of information security. Some people, including myself, would actually argue that it is not, um, it's not within information security office, right? So I'm of the belief that there's like the IT office, there's the InfoSec or cyber or whatever you want to call it office. There's identity and access management office, right? And we play together. We're in the same sandbox, but identity and access management does not fall in the scope of my responsibilities, but I need to work with those people. Okay. It gets very complicated, but just believe me on this one. So this is a this is a legit kind of paradigm shift that is going to impact all of us, all of us, all right? Because we're going to have to transition. Once enough systems have adopted passwordless logins, and we're already seeing it, right? Google's doing it in their workspaces. Every single Microsoft Windows operating system has passwordless options. I do not log in with a password when I log into my computer. Um, and now we're seeing it with this like this type of passkey uh, solution right here 
Uh, we'll talk about IAM BSEC and we can have a discussion about it. Um, just like I don't patch computers, but I need them patched, right? I have IT do that. I don't, you know, identity access management, what roles, what permission, I'm not going to get into an argument here with BSEC, um, but I, I have a strong position on identity access management. So one password is just the first one to kind of launch this passkey. Other systems are going to do it. And basically, instead of this kind of monolithic, you log in and your user credentials are here, now you log in and your user credentials are here, a different set, you're going to have this kind of like spider web network of uh, ability to authenticate not using a password, okay? That's the first thing. So if you're coming up into this, you should definitely get smart on this because it's gonna give you a massive advantage over other candidates for job interviews or for um, being able to you know, evaluate products. Hey, does your product support passwordless um, logins? Does it support pass keys? You're gonna have to deal with end user training. Right, you're going to have to uh, uh, educate people because for decades we've been all up in password uh, authentication. So you're going to have to break people of that. So it's a big thing. It's definitely not something to sleep on. This is a cruise ship that has left port and it's motoring. And if we're going to turn it around a little bit to to go from passwords to pass key island down in the Caymans, you you got to know kind of holistically what's going on. So I think this is great though. This is great for an infosec perspective. Uh, if you're a threat actor and you're in the stream, what's up, flaming donkey? Um, you got to be careful because now if you if you crack this somehow, if you're able to steal creds or the 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 hash or whatever it's going to be, there is a potential that now a threat actor could log into multiple platforms, right? Because you're you're consolidating. The authentication mechanism into a single point for an individual. So if they compromise that, it's kind of like identity and <laughs> identity and access management theft, right? We've heard of identity theft. Now it's like access theft, right? So just be mindful of that. I, that's where I would see. Um, Sir, trend micro. Hybrid work, cloud adoption, and shadow IT have introduced new cybersecurity risks to organizations. Security leaders are left asking, how can I manage our expanding attack surface? Trend Micro, the global leader in cybersecurity, is bringing the cyber risk conversation to more than 120 cities in their Risk to Resilience World Tour. Hear from experts on the latest threat landscape, trends, solutions, and platform strategies to manage risk and defend your organization with speed and accuracy. Find the closest city near you and register today to take a leap toward a more resilient future. Head to trendmicro.com slash CISO series. All right. What's up, y'all? It is the mid-roll, which is really, really cool. I, If you're new here, right, there's 255 of you, which is actually interesting because that's less than our normal number. So I don't know if like the tweet, <laughs> if the tweet caused um, a, a, a degradation in people finding us, but... Where's my, where's my read? Where's my read? Where's my read? Oh, here it is. All right. If, if you're new here, we do this every day at the mid-roll. All right, everybody. We're having a great show. We're right on schedule. Shout out to Base Case and NCC Group keeping me on schedule. Love it, love it, love it. All the squad members love seeing the branding and the badges. It's awesome. Thanks so much for being here. If you're new here, let us know in chat. I'd love to know if this is your first day on the stream. I always enjoy saying hello to the new people and warmly welcoming them into the stream. Um, I want to thank 
the stream sponsors Barricade and Panopsi Security for their continued support. If you're getting educational value or entertainment value from the stream, take a hot second and hit the like button. It does help other people find the stream. I want to say, I want to say a shout out to Panopsi. I mentioned them at the beginning, but Panopsi Security, sponsor of the stream, does offer quantified risk assessment services, which is basically a service where they come in with their team and they interview different stakeholders at your organization on people, process, technology, and the output is a fact-based, statistically sound report telling you your risks of certain uh, incidents, cyber incidents from happening and what you can do to fix that. And you might be like, I know about ransomware, Jerry. Why do I need to do that? Like, whoa. Here's my thing. If, you, <laughs> if you're asking for budget or you're trying to make some uh, changes in your environment and the business side of the house is like, whatever, I don't get it. If you come to them and say, listen, you have an 82% chance of having a ransomware incident next year. Pretty high probability. Are you okay with that, yes or no? And they're like, no, that's way too high. It's like, all right, well then, here are three different options at three different price points, um, you know, financial and time price points on how to reduce it. I can get it down to 70%, I can get it down to 40%, I can get it down to 10%. Which one do you want? Oh, I want the 10%, Jerry. Yeah, no kidding, everybody does, but it's gonna cost 100 grand and take six months to do. Is that is that okay? Oh, no, 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 no. But, uh, you know, we got the recession, looming inflation, we don't have 100 grand. Okay, well then, then I can get you to 30% for 60 grand and two FTE contractors. Okay, let's do that. That's what a quantified risk assessment can do for you. Tony Roy getting his cert booms. All right. Hey, I love it. Love it. Love it, guys. I want to say what's up for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Every single, every single uh, day on the stream, we pass the baton to a new person for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Scott Mack currently holds the, the uh, baton. Hopefully Jenny Housley or Scott Mack are here in chat. If you can, Scott Mack, uh, pass the baton to somebody. And if you're new here, what we do, hey, Ron Hudson, what's up, man? What we do here every single day is Scott Mack is now going to tag somebody. Whoever gets that baton, go on LinkedIn, share your cyber story, use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge, and all of you take for action. Go on to LinkedIn, spend five minutes, find the hashtag, comment on the post, which puts you into the stream, and then connect with the people who are the original poster and in the comments, which you are also now. So anyone going there will also connect with you. What does this do for you? It builds you a deliberate, meaningful, like-minded professional network on LinkedIn, which will grow your professional networking and deliver value to you. And it costs nothing except five minutes of your time. I, I know you're a busy person. I think you can do five minutes to invest in something as valuable as a professional network. Go on LinkedIn, do it. You'll thank me later, believe that. Um, I'm, I'll ask, just chat, I didn't see Jenny Housley up in here and I did not see, um, uh, Ryan, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that later. Uh, okay, Jenny Housley's here. So Jenny, I'll just defer to you to handle that. Um, really quickly guys, I just wanna remind everybody that this uh, Thursday tomorrow, June 8th at 4.30, we're going live and digging deep into the challenges with securing a fleet of PC systems. Managing your own tablet, phone, and laptop is one thing, no big deal, but when you have 5,000 of those devices and you're responsible for ensuring that they're secure from nasty business, like boot kits, root kits, and malware, the challenge is much greater. We'll be joined by Venki 
uh, Venkin Swarin from Intel to discuss how cyber professionals like us help solve the challenge for ourselves and for our IT counterparts. We'll cover business continuity, patch management, securing the system from the firmware up, and we'll spend some time looking at the Intel vPro platform and how it gets involved in this bit of business. Thursday, June 8th, 4.30 p.m., which is tomorrow. Holler at me and show up. And, uh, I, you know, first of all, I'll genuinely appreciate it. But more importantly, you will get tons of value from it. Believe that. Let's get back into the news. Researchers spot a different kind of mage cart card skimming campaign. Researchers from Akamai have spotted an ongoing mage cart campaign infecting an unknown number of e-commerce sites in the U.S., U.K., and several other countries. The malware is skimming credit card numbers and PII from customers on these sites, but what makes the campaign even more dangerous is that the threat actor is also using the infected sites as hosts for delivering the card skimming malware to other target sites. Researchers say that the campaign has been going on for at least a month, and like typical MageCart campaigns, the primary targets are sites running the open-source Magento e-commerce platform. You gotta love open-source software. Um, guys, I'm not gonna spend a terrible amount of time on this, because this one's like a broken record. MageCart has been around for a long time. It's credit card skimming at its finest. If you put a credit card in at a website and MageCard has kind of gotten in, integrated, I believe they do it through uh, either compromised WordPress plugins or a JavaScript, um, or they maybe they compromise the plugin and then they're able to inject JavaScript. Long story short, they're skimming the credit card data. The customer, the victim, their credit card will go through. They will be able to buy their Taylor Swift tickets, LOL. Ticketmaster owns all the Taylor Swift tickets. They're not going to be able to buy that. But if the Midnight, for example, was coming to the music farm in the greater Charleston area, then you'd be able to buy your tickets online, no problem. Uh, and Magecart would get a copy of it. You could see they, they're saying that it, it's evolved a little bit now where they're actually using the compromised hosts, not just to inject their skimming software, but also to host the, the payload delivery mechanism. So if Basically, if if I host my malware on, you know, jerry'sfubar.com website, um, and that that's going to get detected as like malicious C2 infrastructure, and it's going to get blocked or taken down. But if I'm hosting my malware payloads on ticketmaster.com, right, it's going to look like normal traffic. It's not going to get Ticketmaster's not going to get taken down, for example. So, uh, pretty savvy move by these guys. Um, I will say the credit card industry has come a long way with detecting fraud. If you've ever, you know, got a legitimate flag from your credit card company, it typically is accurate, which blows my mind. Cause like I travel quite a bit and, um, like randomly I'll, I'll get like, Oh, you know, like there was a fraudulent transaction on your card and it like, it looks like something I would do, but I didn't do. So whatever AI, you know, dark arts, you know, um, arcane magic, occult uh, stuff they got going on over at the credit card companies. They got it figured out. Uh, but at the end of the day, for you, dear CyberPro, either A, um, make sure your WordPress plugin, keep your WordPress sites clean, right? If you're running a actual credit card taking business, you're supposed to be PCI compliant. So first of all, second of all, if, if Carl, oh my God, if Carl, um, there's two things here. One, if you're running the WordPress site, a lot of times you'll stand up plugins and then you won't disable them because, you know, they're like, oh, this plugin sucks. I'm not going to use it. And you just try another plugin, right? Because it's like, wee, like install plugins, install plugins, right? But you need to actually be mindful that this is a production system with production data touching 
real people's credit cards and you need to keep it clean, i.e. disable plugins, remove plugins that are not needed. Second of all, WordPress plugins are wicked easy to stand up. So people like Carl or R&D people or the sales team people, whatever, will spin up a site real quick in order to take transactions, right? You see this from time to, here's a real world example. You, you go to a conference, right? Sales team goes to a conference or whatever, a big campaign to pitch something. And there's some like hot and heavy uh, group of people who are like, ooh, I love it, I love it, I love it. And they're like, where do I buy? And the salespeople are like, got to get that cheddar. So they like spin up a site really quickly, just some mechanism to take credit cards, right? Um, and then either A, forget about it, or it was never properly secured. Now you're going to run into more of like default creds and get, getting compromised that way than necessarily poor plugins. But my point is, just because you work in IT and InfoSec, and you don't think you have any WordPress sites with um, compromised plugins and stuff like that, doesn't mean they don't exist in your environment. So be mindful. Verizon releases its annual data breach investigations report. Oh, yeah. So good. Verizon issued so good. its 2023 DBIR, which revealed that three quarters of data breaches over the past year involved the human element caused by employees falling for social engineering attacks, making errors, or using their access maliciously. Credentials accounted for 76% of data compromised in social engineering attacks, followed by internal organizational information and personal data. Finally, the report noted that while ransomware events held steady accounting for about a quarter of overall incidents, the median cost of a ransomware attack doubled since the prior year. Verizon noted that in order to rein in these key trends, organizations need to focus on employee security hygiene, implementing true multi-factor authentication, and collaboration across organizations to share threat intel. All right. Now, 273 of you beautiful people here today, that's the normal number that we're rocking, so I welcome you to the stream. Guys, the Verizon data breach um, incident, incident report is my favorite industry report that comes out annually. The M trends is a good one. Um, IBM X-Force has a good one, but guys, the Verizon data breach incident report, oh, it is delicious. Okay, now Jerry, how can you get so pumped up about a, an industry report? That sounds wicked lame. Stay, stay, by, uh, stay tuned, my dear friend. First of all, if you know me, you know I love a good infographic, okay? The Verizon Data Breach Incident Report is basically just infographics all over the place. It's visually consumable data that's based on actual events, incidents, and telemetry, and it's really well done. What can you do with this report? This report um, informs you on true state of our industry across multiple different things, okay? It's it's just, it's so good. Um so what I would recommend you do is go download it. Another really awesome thing, and they've gotten a little away from this over the last couple of years. I think that the, the authors of the report have changed. They used to be really cheeky, like, like really written like you're at a bar talking to a friend. The data is right, and the content is accurate, and it is professionally sound but it is typically written in a really cheeky fashion, like funny and like, you know, jokes in the margins and kind of like dad jokes and stuff like that. James McQuiggan would love it. it. They've gotten a little away from that, a little bit more professional. I'm sure that the um, the suits in the board were like, well, you got to kind of clean this up a little bit. But but in reality, it's still, it's still an excellent report. 
Um, I will tell you, James McQuiggan, excitement surrounding VBDIR. Think of Steve Martin and the jerk. The phone book is here. The phone book is here. Ex- <laughs> best friends yep it really is like that guys and and i am just one like i'm just one like sample of like how people really feel about this report i'm not making it up this isn't like an isolated me thing where i'm like the only one who gets geeked up about this thing when this report drops there is a murmur in our community about it right it's awesome in fact if you guys want i'm actually thinking about either doing a produced video of like my top five things you need to know about this report as a practitioner or running a panel live with James McQuiggan and a couple others um, to discuss the report. Let me know. In fact, actually, let me, uh, I'm going to run a poll really quickly. Let me do this. VBDIR, um, I I guess, uh, content creation. Hold on one second. Live stream with panel or produce video top five thoughts. All right, and it would be the top five thoughts, um, like top five things that I've taken out of it that practitioners should know about it, or live stream panel where I I, I facilitate a panel and then obviously inject myself all up in it because I can't help myself because I love cybersecurity. The TLDR, social engineering is rampant, no surprise. Um, 83% of breaches involve threat actors. The... the um, the data set is over 5,000 incidents, so it's not, the, these are all statistically relevant uh, data points. Uh, vulnerability exploitation is quite low, uh, meaning that it's the human factor is the thing. There's a reason we have a sound bit for this. Okay, there's a reason I have a Carl sound effect. There's a reason we have a Carl emote, okay? Because humans currently, in our current state of InfoSec, in our current ecosystem, humans are the the, the, the biggest challenge um, to compromise, right? So just long story short, giddy up on, look at all these infographics. Oh my God, so good. Giddy up, this is the report right here on stream and um, you'll, you'll be very happy you did. CISA releases joint guide to securing remote access software. Oh, CISA, get your Jen Easterlies on. FBI, and several other agencies have released the Guide to Securing Remote Access Software. The guide informs organizations how to detect and defend against malicious actors abusing this software by providing common exploitations and associated tactics, techniques, and procedures, or TTPs. Threat actors often exploit these products to evade detection and establish network connections through cloud-hosted infrastructure. All right. Um, so I wasn't listening to this because I was responding to uh, there's there's a lot of like uh, mod chat going on and, and it, mods keep chatting like that was my bad. Um, CISA has released guidance on remote access software securing it. OK, so guys, Jenny Easterly emotes are all up in chat right now. If you're new here, you might be like, why is there so much Jenny Easterly action? The reason is because she is the director of CISA. And she has set the tone for CISA going forward. Um, these people uh, release actionable intel uh, tactical guidance much quicker than, you know, like an organization like NIST. I love NIST, okay? Don't get me wrong. I love NIST, but they move much more like big government and CISA moves much more agile. With the Go Anywhere software breach recently uh, and the Clop ransomware slash Fin7, um, taking advantage of that, go anywhere, hundreds of environments, compromise, ransomware all over the place. 
threat actors searching easily for remote access. We, we talked about this, the um, LastPass um, compromise. No, actually, LastPass wasn't that. Anyways, remote access is bad. It's everywhere. And in a remote workforce that we've moved in post-pandemic, it, it is rampant, okay? So CISA has released remote access software securing guidelines. At the end of the day, with all honesty, I'm sure this is great software and you should really be mindful of it. But I can just tell you right now, change all the default creds, perhaps disable the default accounts, have people use multi-factor authentication or require VPN connection or both, multi-factor is most important, and don't allow shadow remote access software to exist in your environment. Boom, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Like, CISA, love you, mean it. They're gonna have a lot more uh, clout than I am on pushing this information. But at the end of the day, guys, remote access software securing it's it's basic blocking and tackling. We're not reinventing. We're not creating like the next paradigm shift that you know the next evolution of information security. This is it's been the same thing since like the seventies, right? Go read cuckoo, uh, the cuckoo's egg. That started with remote access issues, right? Cliff Stolen, great book, awesome book. Are creating nudes using AI. Oh my god. Sextortion involves a malicious actor using hacking techniques or coercion to obtain explicit images and videos from their victims, then threatening to leak them unless a payment is made. The FBI is warning that sextortionists are now scraping innocuous publicly available images and videos posted on social media platforms, then feeding them into deepfake AI content creation tools that turn them into sexually explicit content. In many cases, the threat actors are skipping payment demands and proceeding to upload the content to public sites. The FBI recommends adults posting content online restrict viewing to their friends and contact authorities if they discover themselves to be the subject of explicit deepfake content. All right. This is deplorable. I also saw Keith Jones, uh, PhD. I, I, I know Keith. He's coming on the stream, but he, he's he started like an e-crime bites uh, channel. Uh, on it's a podcast, uh, but it's worth checking out. Anyways, he was talking about this same exact thing, except with individuals who are under the age of eighteen and 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 much younger than eighteen. Um, this same technique, right? And th which is deplorable, right? This is like, guys, this is why we can't have nice things, right? AI, AI could solve cancer, right? AI could get us to Mars. But no, no, no. We're going to use AI to gen like to um computer generate nudes based on pictures of social media people. This is not you know what, as I'm thinking about it again, I don't see these stories beforehand, so this is all my initial thoughts and takes. Here's my thought on this. Yes, sextortion is terrible. Two, it's going it's going to um it's going to happen. It's been around for a while. I'm surprised that this took so long to happen, okay? Why do I say that? Deep fake technology has existed for a while. It's been kind of janky, but we've seen the adult film industry take um adult film stars and put uh you know, A-list movie actresses uh faces on them, right? So you'll see like there's a famous Gal Gadot the Wonder Woman actress. There's a famous video of her, uh, Daisy Ridley, when the Star Wars movies were kind of in the theaters and stuff, right? So this, 
This idea, this technique has existed for a while, but it's typically been reserved for females that have a lot of content online uh, that can be sampled for the uh, generation model. Now the AI has gotten smart enough that people are able to scrape social media and get enough to do it. So this is terrible um, for women. It's going to be mostly women, right? Like, let's be honest, mostly women um, who are going to be victimized and they did nothing wrong, right? Hopefully this doesn't uh, play into somebody getting fired or, you know, somebody's getting ostracized because their community uh, doesn't condone or like harshly criticizes this type of behavior. I'm thinking like ultra religious uh, organization. I know with the deep fakes uh, adult film with the movie stars, like that is really uh, tightly regulated, not regulated, but like I know that those those industries don't really want that type of content. So they do a good job of making it really inaccessible. I'm sure that on the dark web, it's getting shared all over the place. But this is gross. And you know what really sucks? The the guidance from um, leadership is make sure that your social media is only for private and friends. Okay. First of all, that is, that is, that's dumb. Okay. Hold on. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. That is a stupid thing. First of all, um, content um, is out there, right? Look, go look at Clearview AI if you want to see wholesale Dyson vacuuming sucking up of um, information, graphic information of individuals, right? So the data is out there. Even if I make it private, if I'm at Black Hat and I go um, take a picture at the, you know, um, whatever, at the Cybersecurity Central booth, right? I don't own that picture. I don't own that video. So I can't tell Cybersecurity Central to take it down, right? So the content's going to get out there. So this is a like such a um, weak control in order to control this. Second of all, so what? Like now I should probably, I should, I mean, of course, no one's going to be making AI nudes of me, but like, should I not have a YouTube channel? Should I not make content? Should this become a faceless cybersecurity channel? Should I not go do public speaking at conferences? Or sh should I refuse to speak at conferences if the conference is going to be recorded? No, that's ridiculous as well. So to, to control the, con the creation of content that's going to have people physically in front of it doing stuff is ridiculous. Are we going to cancel TV shows too now? Like, get out of here with this noise. Anyways, it's just, it, to me, how about instead of trying to like put like, instead of trying to hand jam the genie back or the toothpaste back into the toothpaste tube, how about we move forward and make regulations that kind of have uh, harsh penalties for doing this? How about we find the people who are making the tools that generate the, the AI nudes based on the content? How about we hold people accountable? Here's a crazy idea, right? Instead, we're going to just like, you know, go back in our house and close the door and put like our hands over our ears and close our eyes. Like that is a terrible strategy for long-term success with dealing with a heinous crime like sextortion. And like I said, this technology doesn't have to be reserved for women ages 24 to 30. It can be done with children. It can be done with Men, it can be done with anyone, religious leaders, right? Can you imagine the Pope, right? I mean, so like, let's actually address this head on instead of, you know, any, anyways, 
for an actionable thing to do for your uh, end users, I would make them aware of this. This is not a taboo topic. I know it could be weird to bring up at a corporate event or something like that, but educate your end users on this. This threat is going to increase as this technology becomes more widely accessible. All right. I've got a premiere in four minutes. Thank you very much. Not only IT, I always forget um, on <laughs> on um, these days. Do, do, do. All right. Hey, Jenny Housley, let's close the poll really quickly. Uh, ending the poll. Looks like people want a live stream panel, so I'll organize that with uh, the parties. Um, guys, remember tomorrow, come by tomorrow, um, Thursday at 4.30 p.m. for the Intel vPro platform live stream. I would really appreciate um, y'all being there. Um, Jenny, uh, let me, yeah, sh oh, Sean Washington. Very cool, Sean. I love me some Sean Washington. Guys, if you have time, go over to the Simply Cyber channel. I'm gonna drop a link in chat right now. I've got a video dropping. This is my second to last video on ChatGPT. I filmed the final one, how to get ChatGPT to get you 10% more salary. <laughs> ChatGPT is getting us paid. But right now, this is how to get, um, how to crush a job interview. If you have a job interview coming up, you absolutely want to check this video out. I'm not even being hyperbolic. What I discovered with ChatGPT is freaking awesome. Um, like. It gives me scores. It gives me constructive feedback. Like if you've ever been to a job interview and didn't get the job and you were like, hey, can you give me some feedback? And then they just ghosted you. This is for you because basically we prompt the AI into becoming a hiring manager that fits the avatar that we're going to be interviewing with. And then we get real questions and get real answers to the AI and then get real constructive feedback. But how I do it is actually the trick of the video. So definitely want to... Um, Definitely want to check that out. So please come check it out. I see people starting to stack in here right now. Um, so come check the. There we go. Got my first cyber job after 10 months of studying, getting certs, home labs. Thank you for the videos up to date. Hey, congratulations, Zach's not bored. Totally love it. Happy, happy Wednesday and congratulations to you. Fantastic. All right, guys. Hey, Jess Bishop, Matthew Pelkey, uh, mods. Thanks so much uh, for being here. I hope you guys had a great stream. If you came over for your first time from Twitter, uh, I hope you come back every single uh, morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time. We're doing the live threat briefing. It's going to be all about good times. I'm Jerry. This is Simply Cyber. See you over at the premiere. Until tomorrow, stay secure. I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. Come